Thank you for tuning in to part one of episode three. In both part one and part two, we'll be discussing how the core value, innovative spirit, has helped HP employees advance both their personal careers and the company as a whole. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the HP Journey Podcast, where we meet the people of Hemrick and Payne and explore the core values that have shaped our company. My name is Lance Mann. I work here at HP, and I'll be your host. Today, we're exploring the HP core value innovative spirit. Whether it's groundbreaking rig designs, unique approaches to people, processes, and safety, or cutting edge technologies, Hemrick and Payne has always looked to bring innovation to the drilling space. Every employee at HP is encouraged to use their innovative spirit to bring new ideas to the table and find new ways to deliver better outcomes to our customers. Before we hear from today's guest, let's take a quick break. What does it take to deliver better drilling outcomes? The right rigs, the right crews, the right technology. H&P is ready. For over a century, we have been safely providing performance-driven drilling solutions to the world that are both sustainable and efficient. So, are you ready for better drilling outcomes? Now we are back with Corey Lawyer coming to us from Seguin, Texas. Corey spent a majority of his 22 years at HP helping design and refine the manufacturing processes of HP's groundbreaking Flex Rig Fleet. He now brings his innovative spirit to his current role of regional director, where he leads our drilling operations in our southern region. Hello, Corey. Thanks for joining us today. I think what we'll do is jump right in. I would love to hear about your background before starting at HP. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Tulsa. Um, I didn't really know much about HP while I was growing up. But when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be an architect. I actually uh, chose to go to school at Oklahoma State because of their architecture school and studied architectural engineering for a year. After a year, uh, of doing that, I thought, well, maybe architecture wasn't what I had uh, thought it was and decided to change my degree to mechanical engineering and uh, did a couple of engineering uh, interns with uh, companies around um, Tulsa and Arkansas. And then fortunately, I had a family friend who worked at Helmer Campaign and asked me if I wanted to intern at H&P. And so that's how I got connected with H&P. That's pretty cool. As I hear you talking, you interned. Did you intern on a rig? I did not. I was I was actually taking summer school classes while I interned. So I uh, I just worked there in the engineering department in Tulsa and took some classes at TCC at night for a summer, a fall semester, and then another summer. Did you work anywhere uh, as far as once you got out of college? Did you work anywhere before you came to HMP? I did not. I uh, I came to work straight for H and P out of out of school. I I really I had a like I mentioned I had a couple of other internships and saw what it was like to work someplace else and then saw what it was like to work at H and P. So I, I really enjoyed working at H and P. I still did some interviews, had a couple of other job options when I got out of school, but ultimately chose to come straight to work for H and P. And what was your first job? Well, so uh, just like uh, many of our other, or almost all of our other engineers, I, I went roughnecked for a year. So I guess before that, I, I spent a month with Warren Hubler 
really got indoctrinated into our uh, safety culture and safety program. And then I roughnecked in South Texas for six months. I roughnecked uh, in the Gulf of Mexico offshore for six months and really got a, a, a good foundational experience, I think, of what it's like to be a roughneck, what it's like to work in the oil field. Uh, got to know a lot more about the equipment and the processes. So really look back on that experience. And I'm glad I, I had the opportunity to to roughneck for a year and, and learn a little bit more about what it's like to be out there on the rigs. That, that's something I've had to refer back to uh, in other positions and just remember what it's like to to be the one out there working. Definitely, definitely. What rig did you break out on? I think the very first rig I worked on was rig 141, which was a highly mobile, uh, more mechanical rig than what we have working today. So you learned to learn to run the tongs and throw some chain right off the bat. Well, we still we didn't have cha- throwing chains. Not back that then. old, okay. Uh, we did have uh, we did yeah learned how to work the tongs. That was the Kelly rig, uh, which which we don't have uh, working in U.S. land anymore. But yeah, we had we had uh, a Kelly on that rig and a mechanical rotary table. A lot, lot different than what we have today. We didn't have ST80s back then, so it was all tongs when we were tripping pipe or making connections. So you interned, then you worked on a rig for a year. What has your career at HMP or your journey at HMP been like since that first year? Yeah, so I, a lot of connection with the engineering department early on, uh, like I said, with my internship and and uh, immediately after finishing my roughnecking, I, I still reported through the engineering department. I was relocated down to uh, to Houston and worked on our construction uh, project construct in the construction facility there in Houston for the bulk of my career. So about 17 years I was working in rig construction until the last four and a half years where I've been the regional director in the uh, south region of U.S. land, working out of the Seguin office. So your time at the Houston Construction Yard, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, some new rig classes being designed and that kind of thing throughout that time. Maybe you could start us off on this topic with what does innovative spirit mean to you? So I I think innovative spirit is being able to look at problems from a new perspective, from a new angle, uh, not starting out where uh, with what we've done in the past or what's how those situations have been handled in the past. And so um, really challenging yourself and others to think about problems in a new way, uh, which means not starting out with all the the things that can't happen, but leaving everything as a possibility and then really looking for what's the best solution. And once you find the best solution, then you can figure out how to implement it. You don't want to start eliminating solutions because of possible roadblocks and things like that. So I think it it has to do with finding the best solution and coming to that solution from getting lots of different perspectives along the way. So let's maybe try to dig into each portion of your career as it relates to innovative spirit. Think back to when you were roughnecking for that year. Can you think of any times where you or the crew you're with had an innovative spirit in in dealing with some struggle on the rig? You're really challenging me to think back now, Lance. <laughs> that was 
It was uh, 22 years ago. <laughs> um, I remember a lot of, uh, like we talked about before, working the tongs and lots of painting and cleaning. I don't know that I recall any specific scenarios where we used innovative spirit back then. If 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 there were some, I, I've forgotten them since then. They were probably forbidden by Warren Hubler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure, you know, as a company, I'm really proud to work at H&P. And I think we do have a long history way before I got here of innovation. I just don't recall specific examples back that far. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. All right. So the easier one, your your time at the Houston Construction Yard, uh, managing that group of folks and, and team. Talk through an example, if you will, and it could be specifically that team or H&P as a whole, but something that's really memorable in your mind that would embody innovative spirit. Yeah, I think just the whole evolution of the flex rig is the main thing that comes to mind. You know, we had flex ones and flex twos. Those were rigs that we purchased from a manufacturer for the most part, the mast and substructure, draw works, things like that. And then we built some of the auxiliary equipment around um, around those rigs. But the Flex 3 rig was the first rig that H&P designed and built internally. And uh, there were meetings where we pulled in uh, cross-functional teams. So lots of people from operations we had at the time. Uh, just like now, but especially back then, uh, several people that had been with the company for 40 plus years. And so pulling in those guys from operations, but also uh, engineering and maintenance and having everybody in the room and starting from a clean sheet of paper saying, okay, what would be the best uh, rig? If you could take all the things that you've learned over your experience, if you could take all the problems that uh, that we've had to deal with with current rigs and eliminate those or um, start fresh. Like I said, mm -hmm. what would you want in a rig? And we put all that stuff down on paper and uh, that's really where the Flex Rig 3 started. And it really changed the industry, right? For a long time, the rest of the in industry was trying to catch up with the Flex Rig 3 and uh, what it did to improve on really old technology that had been around for a long, long time uh, as far as how rigs were built. So would you say with FLEX 3, do, do you recall any monumental discussions or step changes that came with that that just really stand out? Or is it really just accumulative of a lot of small changes? Um, I, I think one of the big things that I was thinking about the other day when we designed the uh, BOP handling system, I remember just sitting in a room with my old boss, Alan Orr, and some of the other engineers, Bernie Cook and, and other guys. And, and really, we started with a clean sheet of paper and everybody kind of drew out a proposal for how we would handle the BOPs. And then we kind of talked about pros and cons and what, what we came up with was the, the current BOP transport skid and current uh, boomer or, uh, you know, BOP handling uh, equipment that's on the Flex 3 rigs now. And there, at the time, rigs didn't have BOP handling equipment like that. It was all done with brute force and, <laughs> you know, boom pole trucks and, and things like that, pickup lines and 
So that was really, I think, innovative. And it, like I said, it started with, you know, getting uh, started with a, a clean sheet of paper and getting everybody's ideas and then really wrestling with what are the pros and cons of each of those and and evolving over time. So that's that's still, I think, a, a pretty groundbreaking uh, innovation for our rigs, really improved the safety and uh, speed that we were able to uh, nipple up and nipple down BOPs. As I hear you talk about that, I can't imagine the difficulties that people must have endured in before having those because the only times I've worked on a rig, we definitely had the BOP transport system, so it was pretty straightforward. Right. As you led the team there at Houston, the construction yard, th that in and of itself, uh, starting to build our own rigs, that in and of itself was innovative, right? In those transactions and, and developing that team and that facility and all that stuff down there, is there anything that stands out in your mind through that process as as highly innovative? Sure. Um, you know, there was a, a long journey that we went through. When I first started working in the construction project, it was basically just a yard. And then we had a facility that was indoor, but Really, we just used it as an extension of the yard. So we we would bring the welding trucks inside so that the rain would uh, minimize the impact of the operation. But really, it was still just uh, some guys that were really roughnecks or had drilling experience and a bunch of rig welders putting together the rigs. And we knew that to be able to build rigs on the scale that we that we have, we were going to have to really evolve and be a manufacturing facility. And uh, specifically, we connected with some uh, folks from the airline industry so that they could provide a different perspective on manufacturing than the limited perspective that we had. You know, so we really started from the ground and developed those processes, looked at what's the most efficient way for us to build rigs, and set up the facility to where it ran more on a modular type basis where we had a, a workstation for each component of the rig and uh, we made sure that we had all the right tools all the right information all the right equipment there to build that component and then there was a flow through the shop to to make sure that everything went smoothly and and as efficiently as possible and one of the things that i i remember about that process was just we had a lot of we had a lot of people working in there. You know, we were constantly driving to improve efficiencies, to not only save time, to be able to ramp up from building one rig a month to two rigs a month to four rigs a month. We also obviously had a budget and uh, wanted to be able to build those rigs more cost effectively. Once we had gotten some of the the big. Um, opportunities, the lower hanging fruit as far as improving efficiencies. Where the others came from was really engaging those guys that had their hands on the equipment, engaging the guys in the workstations that were doing the work and getting their perspective on how can we do this more effectively? How can we be more efficient? And so I think that that lesson is, has resonated with me and I continue to, to draw back on that now in operations that we have to remember that the guys that are on the rigs uh, really have good ideas for how to improve and how do we engage those guys uh, more effectively and uh, because we're, we're always wanting to improve. 
and we need everyone's perspective. Uh, people uh, with engineering backgrounds have a perspective. People in the uh, in the district offices have a perspective. The guys on the rigs have a really valuable perspective as well. So when we all get together, that's when we're able to really innovate and come up with significant improvements. The role that you had in Houston, do you recall any really specific process improvements that that you would consider innovative that really brought the bacon home, if you will? I mean, there there were um, significant things, but I don't think they were necessarily things that uh, that were new to the manufacturing industry. We were borrowing ideas that had been developed over, you know, the history of lean manufacturing from others. Um, again, I, th- I think the big, big takeaway for me was just the collaboration. Yeah. It really took everyone involved, continuing to communicate, continuing to challenge each other to get better, uh, to stay hungry for that next, you know, uh, 10 hours that we could save on a component or the the next the couple of days that we could save off of a rig uh, build to uh, to keep getting better and better and better. So um, again, I would I would say there's not any specific thing, but the idea of staying hungry to to continue to improve and challenging each other and working together to do that. So in your new role, have there been any things that you learned in your handful of years there in Houston that you've carried over that maybe people wouldn't have thought about from the operations perspective, That, but you're like, man, that would fit right here real fine, like maybe some of the lean practices or something like that? Absolutely. Multiple different examples that, that come to mind right off the top of my head. Um, you know, in in operations, we're not building new rigs, but we this is a cyclical business. Um, I guess that's a it's a positive and a negative for us. <laughs> but uh, since I've been in operations, we've been either stacking rigs or mobilizing rigs. And the more defined our process can be, the more efficiently we can do that. Um, The more defined our schedule can be, the more efficiently we can do that. So I think just knowing when to push back, a lot of our schedules are driven by customers Mm -hmm. and their demands, um, which doesn't necessarily set us up for the most efficiency. If we have, I've teased our salespeople before about our customers only know the first and the 15th because that's, those are the days of the month that they want a rig to come out. Right. Well, that that's not the most, if every customer says, I want my rig on January 1st, um, you know, we're not going to be able to meet all those needs at, at once. And so being able to work with those customers on, hey, uh, here are the dates that would, that we can most effectively bring out a rig and, and have it be a success for you, and, but all, at the same time, uh, supporting their schedule and their needs and having conversations. Uh, that, that's one thing that I've continued to work on. Now, it's it's not where I want it to be. We still <laughs> do a lot of things based on when the customers ask. Yeah, sure. Um, but recommissioning processes, I think we've continued to make strides in uh, defining those processes, documenting those so that they're repeatable, that we're not just uh, letting whichever rig crews taking out that rig define their own process. I think we've made good strides with that as a company. With some of the rigs in my region, we've really uh, looked at how do we define our our rig move processes? Mm -hmm. How do we standardize 
those operations and really identify what's the best process and how do we repeat that every time consistently. I know, again, we're in the business of supporting our customers and providing customer service, but at the same time, uh, I, I remind uh, my team here in South Texas that we drill more wells than anybody else. We dr drill more wells than our competition. We drill more wells than our customers do. And so we should really have the best uh, processes. And uh, I, I know people have their ways that they like to do things, but if we can get together and wrestle with what's your way of doing it, what's your way of doing it, now, what are the which one is the best, mm -hmm. and agree on that and move forward? Then we can make each other better, yeah. and we can improve <clears throat> on those processes. Um, so I think that just the idea of there is a best way to do most things, and how do we get to that best way instead of everybody just do it the way that they like? Yeah, to do it. As you're talking through that, it makes me think with relation to innovative spirit i've heard people have the the perspective of what, what does innovative spirit have to do with my job like for you it's with the houston construction especially it's it's pretty easy to see the tie there but do you have any thoughts for people that have a struggle making that connection maybe maybe some different perspective they could use to to think about it differently and and apply innovative spirit to their role i think we're all trying to solve problems Right, we've all got challenges and situations. Uh, we've we've all got customers, internal or external, that we're trying to serve at a higher level. And so, I would say uh, we we always need to be innovating in, in those areas. Uh, there's always opportunities to do that more effectively. And so, um, I, I know it's it's easier to just say this is the way we've always done it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> You know, and but I think those things hold us back. And uh, so I would hope that we would be pushing forward to get better as a company and as individuals. And in order to do that, we're going to have to try new things. We're going to have to fail some and learn from those failures. And so I, I would challenge all of us to be thinking about how we can innovate, how we can do the things that we're already doing better how we can serve our customers better. As you say that, it makes me think about how all the, the core values are really tied together. What are your thoughts there? Any connections you'd like people to also make of how innovative spirit relates to the other core values that we have? I, I definitely think that innovative spirit ties into customer service, like we said, or service <laughs> attitude. I think it ties into actively caring. Uh, I, I think that we've got to figure out better ways to operate our rigs safely. We've got to figure out better ways to take care of and care for our people, whether it's safety or or, or just work-life balance-wise. Um, you know, we should always be be innovative, and I think that it takes teamwork to do that. Yeah. So we we can't we're not going to be able to innovate by ourselves. You may you may have some good ideas. You may be able to figure some things out. But the true innovation comes when we have those different perspectives that I've mentioned. When we've got cross-functional teams where people have different backgrounds and different perspectives, and they're they're uh, challenging each other's ideas and uh, 
and suggesting things that other people haven't thought about and building on those things together. So teamwork, I think, is a, is a huge part of innovative spirit. So teamwork being one of them, are there any other keys to achieving innovative spirit that might help others get there? Sure. I think um, one of the things that I really respect about our company's leadership is just the the intentionality over the last several years of going on this organizational health journey and really getting healthy as a company, tearing down silos. And I think through that and working with the table group and and Pat Lencioni, uh, we've learned a lot about uh, the foundation of trust that's required um, to, to really operate at a high level. And so I, th- I think there has to be a foundation of trust to where people feel safe to throw out ideas, even if, you know, even if those ideas end up not being the direction that we choose to go, uh, they can spark other people's ideas. They can, like I said, lead to trying things that, that may fail, but still teach us things and, and help us to know which direction we need to go. Um, so I, I think foundation of trust is important, but also, uh, the ability to have healthy conflict and to really, uh, wrestle with what's the best solution. And, um, so, you know, I, I've mentioned throwing out different ideas or trying different things. And, and when you do that, you need to be able to, to defend those and, and wrestle with those different ideas to to again, end up at that best result. So having a foundation of trust, having healthy conflict, that should be, those should be things that are going on and being built every, every day and in every, every team and meeting. Fantastic. What do you see being the future of innovation at HMP? What innovative things are happening and, and what are we going to have to do to continue being innovative? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's really Interesting times in our world, uh, interesting times in our industry. I think we have some some new challenges uh, that are going to require us to really innovate. Uh, I, I think about uh, the, the challenges with uh, just focus on environmental issues and, uh, you know, what do we need to do to take care of our environment? What do, how do we balance that with the energy demands that are needed for our society to continue to grow and thrive? And uh, so I think we're going to have to figure out how to how to balance those things together. People are going to need energy. And so our, our industry is not going away. Uh, there are some alternative energy sources out there, and, and we need to learn about those as a, as a society. And HMP needs to be ready to look at how we can use our expertise and uh, skill set as a company to see if we need to be involved in um, alternative energy sources. And and I know that we're doing some of that. We're involved in uh, in geothermal energy, and uh, we're we're looking at other areas where our company can be involved in the energy needs of our society in, in the future. So I think there are a lot of opportunities to innovate and to you know, to look at things from a new perspective based on the the challenge, the challenges that our society and our industry is facing. Um, there's definitely a, a lot of new technology that's available. HMP's invested a lot in technology, and there are a lot of opportunities for for us in in 
developing those technologies, uh, figuring out how those technologies um, work together to create synergies and and really change the way that we do our business in the future. And so that's going to take a lot of innovation, not just coming up with those technologies or developing those technologies, but really getting them from the people that um, design them or write the code to the guys that are going to operate that technology, uh, whether it's in a, in a pod somewhere or on the rig. We have to figure out how to make those transitions. We have to we have to innovate, think innovatively about how we can train people and help them to see it, the way that you were a roughneck before is not going to look like the way it, it does in the future, and have to bring them along on that journey so that we can get the best results for our customers and. Uh, so I think there are a lot of opportunities to innovate, and I'm excited about it. Well, Corey, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to spend with us and, and share your thoughts, a little bit about your journey at HMP, as well as Innovative Spirit. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, Lance. Well, that's all for today. I hope these stories have inspired you to think about where your HMP journey can take you. You can find more HMP journey stories at hamrickpain.com journey. And if you're interested in being featured on the podcast, reach out to hpcommunication at hp.com. Thank you all for joining and tune in to our next episode as we continue to uncover all the incredible stories of people at HMP. This concludes part one of episode three, where we dove into the core value innovative spirit. Join us for part two as we hear from Angus Jamison and how this core value has shaped his H&P journey.